Hello, everyone, and welcome to QMinder Service Intelligence Podcast, where we interview customer service and support experts from around the world. For this episode, we have David from Volt. David is the head of customer support in the Baltic region and a dear friend of mine as well. So, welcome, David. Thank you very much, Mr. Gustav. It is nice to be here. David, you have an interesting story. You are working for a Finnish startup. You mm-hmm. are British and you work from, you live in Estonia. So, maybe yeah. let's start off with this interesting story how you ended up here. Yeah, how I ended up here in Estonia was uh, thanks to my wife. She's Estonian. We moved here together about seven years ago now. And how I ended up working at a Finnish company doing support, I think, is related to the same story. So when my wife and I moved to Estonia, we needed to move our money from the UK to Estonia. And I'd heard of this. Estonian company doing something like called TransferWise and I tried them out and I moved all the money that we had at that point with TransferWise and as I was researching because it was very early days for that company as I was researching making sure that they wouldn't steal all of our money I saw that they had a job available uh, to work as a support associate in Tallinn so I thought if I get the job then they're less likely to steal my money because that would be a bit bad because I'd actually be employed there. So I applied for the job, got the job, started working in support and figured out that this is the right area for me. So yeah, I really enjoyed my time in TransferWise and that really set a direction for me. I then did a bunch of other jobs including working with you at Leapin and then rebranded to Zolo. And yeah, I've been working at Walt now for about 18 months, really enjoying it. And it's been 18 challenging months as well to be working in uh, food delivery during Corona. Yeah, absolutely. So you probably didn't have as much support traffic going in when you joined as... uh, Oh yeah, no. Yeah, for sure. Like I it was very good timing in some ways. I had like a nice calm two and a half months of January, February, and a little bit of March when I first joined in 2020. And then things really just rocketed off from March into April and then further from there. Yeah, a lot of people have been sitting at home and needing to order some food and needing to pass the time and needing to, you know, be safe. Mm-hmm. And and your uh, job as the, the head of uh, customer support, is it then mainly like the, the customer support work with the end customers? And that sense, like me, if I feel that my order wasn't right, or, or do you also have like other parties involved, like the, the delivery people and, uh, and the restaurants, for example? Yeah, so our support is of the three all three areas in the business so uh yeah our end users or our customers courier partners and venue partners 
So, yeah, we're constantly tackling these things that come up because uh, a standard situation would usually involve talking to all three people. <laughs> so if, uh, if, for example, something goes wrong and you get your order of a burger and fries and a can of Coke, but for whatever reason, the can of Coke doesn't arrive, you would be the one to notice this and be like, hey, David, where's my can of Coke? We would then look into that uh, and see that, oh, it's still at the restaurant. Uh, so we'd have to talk with the restaurant, get them to uh, give it to a new courier who we'd have to talk to and be like, hey, you need to deliver just this one can of Coke to a very thirsty Gustav. And he would then grab that, take it to you, and the case would be solved. But yeah, most of the time it involves talking to these different partners and they all have their own concerns that we try to solve. And it usually is a collaborative effort to get to a solution on these things. Yeah, that's that. Fortunately, it hasn't happened to me that something from my vault or, or, or order is missing. But, <laughs> but I understand when the volumes get big, then mistakes are definitely happening. Yeah, it's usually something small like that, like a, a bottle or a, like a smaller drink or something that sometimes can be just forgotten about and in the rush by either the venue or the career. These things happen. Um, so, yeah. But most of the time, honestly, most of the time people have experiences like you where everything goes perfect. But when things go wrong, we're there to help. <laughs> and I can imagine since the, the delivery, are, the restaurants are open until very late at night. So probably your yep. team needs to be up quite late at night as well. How does that work in, in, in your team? Yeah, in general, we have... Uh, quite clear patterns through the day, which are predictable <laughs> in some ways. People are going to order more food at lunchtime uh, and dinner time than they are at three o'clock in the afternoon. And people are going to order more on a Friday night than they are on a Tuesday night. Uh, so we can see these kinds of patterns emerging. And yeah, we try to offer our service for as like as long as possible and as long as there's enough restaurants who are available to, to other partners available for us to deliver from we will try to keep open but yeah like for the team it can be quite tricky like there are clear moments in the day which are going to be really busy and then there's going to be other moments of the day which can be really quiet if we want enough people working at seven eight o'clock on a friday when things are at their busiest it means we're going to have quite a few people usually working at three, four o'clock in the afternoon on Friday when things are usually very quiet. So yeah, it's a mixture of things, but in general, we try to manage it well for those peak moments of the day. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're going to talk about the data that you use for recognizing all the patterns, but... How big is is the team that you're currently managing? So I manage a team of team leads. I have uh, seven team leads on my team at the moment, hopefully nine by August. But yeah, like we have a good number of team leads throughout Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. And the size of the team at the moment is around 70 people, but it's constantly growing. For context, it was around 
20 people or under 20 people when I took over in January 2020. So we've uh, expanded the team quite a lot in the interim. And uh, yeah, it's been a really intense year for sure, but it's also been a lot of fun and a really good challenge. Yeah, like I've never ordered more uh, strong uh, than uh, than than the last year. So that's that, that totally makes sense. Uh, so seventy people already, and I understand they are all like across Estonia, Latvia, and, and and Lithuania. Then, yeah. So Lithuania is our like a bigger market. So the team there is slightly bigger, but yeah, Estonia and Latvia are pretty similarly sized uh, teams at the moment. And yeah, we're offering that support in the local language, which is why we have people in different teams. Because it's very hard to find somebody who speaks English, Estonian, mm-hmm. Latvian and Lithuanian all together perfectly to the highest level. So that's why we need to have them in local local country. Yeah, yeah there's, there's probably three people that can do that in the world yeah, yeah. yeah for sure <laughs> but like expanding the team so fast where do you find these support people uh, i understand that it's uh, of course like working for startups is, is is quite attractive but still has it been very challenging finding these people is it quite easy in today's market to to, to find to support people? I, honestly, it depends. I think at different moments it's been easier, at different moments it's been harder. Often the people who we hire for the support team have some link to the work that we do previously. So obviously we're not looking for people with you know 10 years of experience and all the rest of it, but we're looking at people who have fit the work well and people who we feel will succeed in the job. Some of that has been people who've done customer support jobs in the past. Others have been people who've been our career partners in the past. Other people who've worked in restaurants in the past. And these are the things that we see. People who are willing to work hard, willing to go the extra mile and have that real sense of empathy for everyone who they're talking to. So empathy is one of the more important attributes. Absolutely. On on day one, when people join our team, we often hire people in a group. So there'll be a group of, you know, four to 10 people, or I think once we did it with 20 people, because we really needed to expand quickly. Um, and on that first day, I give them often like a little presentation about what we expect. And I summarize it as, at Walt, support associates need to be enduringly empathetic. So empathetic like to everybody who's coming in to be kind, to understand their situation, and to be able to find solutions for them and to do it in a way that makes the person feel good still. But then it's also enduring. Uh, like you need to have some level of endurance <laughs> to do it because it's easy to be nice to one person and just do that if you've got to just be nice to one person in one day that's easy enough but how are you able to do that for your 80th person of the day it becomes trickier i sometimes give uh this slightly morbid example where i say imagine that everybody that you messages you on facebook at the exact same time saying that their cat has died 
how many messages can you get through still being like, oh, I'm really feel for you. I'm really sorry yeah. that your cat's died. I, like, you know, I don't understand. Before you're just like, that's, that's unfortunate. Sorry, bye. Or, you know, just copying and pasting the same answers to every single person. And I think for us, like our job and support is to be able to still produce unique replies, still produce empathetic replies, still tell the difference between the situations, even when they look the same, but to be able to treat each situation as a unique situation, part of that creates the empathy. So yeah, the endurance is definitely a part of it, but the empathy is key. Enduringly empathetic. That's a nice pair of words. Sounds good. Sounds very good. So, although the like being empathetic, it's like a you know a character trait. Is mm -hmm. is there a way that you can actually measure that as well, or or do you, or is it possible to somehow understand through looking at data that this person seems to be more empathetic than <laughs> than someone else? Yes and no. I think in general with data, like often people start with data and they go, okay, we've got this number, we need it to move up or we need to move down. And if it moves up, then everyone's like, yeah, went the right direction. If it moves down, someone's like, oh no. But in support, the numbers are very much related to actions and behaviors. So yeah, the people who are more empathetic tend to a score better on things like customer satisfaction, which is one of the key metrics that we measure. And that's basically at the end of a conversation or sometimes at even airport or a supermarket, you'll have this smiley faces and you click on which smiley face you, you like the best. Uh -huh. And it's usually at one to five is like the numbers which are hiding underneath that uh, smiley face. And uh, yeah, so that's one of the things that we measure and we try to keep that high, but it's, it's through the actions and the behavior. So people can learn to be more empathetic. People who are naturally empathetic sometimes still need input on like the ways of writing it, the ways of expressing that empathy. But yeah, there's like customer satisfaction, especially would be one of the main ways that we measure that. But yeah, it's not perfect. <laughs> I, I can't I can't tell you this is definitely the most empathetic person because of this yeah. number. None of the numbers are perfect, but they give us an indication. And that can make us then look into the behaviors and actions and see that those things are aligned with the way that we want to work. Mm -hmm. And it's probably part of the training as well, as as you mentioned, when they arrived. Yeah, absolutely. Train when they arrive and also like part of the ongoing uh, relationship that they have with their team. So mm -hmm. their team lead would be going through their data. Yes, they'd be looking at it and like, okay, this number's this, this number's that. But they'd also be reading through the person's conversations and seeing for themselves, okay, what phrases are they using? This conversation didn't go well. So you can pull from the data, here are all the conversations that didn't go so well. What were the points? What were the phrases that were used that kind of annoyed the customer? Or what were the moments where this conversation could have been better? And then through one-on-ones, like it's like coaching opportunity to say, hey, look, I was looking at this, 
it's this, this is how things can be better. Let's keep a track on it, let's keep an eye on it, see where things go. Yeah, it's that combination of looking at the numbers and then looking at the behaviors and actions and seeing like where things are at. Yeah, training, but mainly, honestly, is a huge part of it which comes in the training, but a lot of it comes from the ongoing relationship then with their team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely needs to be, as you said, ongoing process to keep keep the professionality going on the better side. As we are talking about like good customer service, um, what would be your kind of short definition about? Or if, if I would ask you, David. I have a very silly question. Like, what is, what is good customer service to you? What would be the kind of main things you would mention there? And so the main things I would say, it's exceeding people's expectations. So I think people's expectations change depending on the scenario. So if I calling you, Gustav, as a friend, I would expect you to pick up the phone. If I send you an email, I don't necessarily expect a response within 30 seconds. If I send you a message on Facebook, then it depends. Maybe immediately or maybe in eight hours or the next day. But I think the expectations is a huge part of it. So figuring out, first of all, like in your context, what are the expectations or what might be the expectations of the customers and then figuring out how to exceed that. So speed is part of it. Like you want to be fast, faster than they expect you to be. And then I think it goes back Mm -hmm. then to that empathy side that you want to be heard. (laughs) So you want, as a customer, you want to be heard. You want to know that they've understood my situation and that they're going to take that seriously. Once I'd see that, like when that doesn't happen, for me as a customer, or when I see other customers, or you read about these things online, it's when people then start to get annoyed. People get annoyed when mm-hmm. things have been slow and when they feel like they haven't been heard or that their situation is being taken as just the computer says no, or we can't do that. I'm sorry. Um, saying sorry isn't the same as like uh, providing the actual reaction that's been uh, desired. So yeah, that's not a very short answer, but I would say ultimately good service, good support is fast. It's empathetic and it gives you like the opportunity to have been heard. And then I think it's the final thing. It has a solution, has a solution that everyone can be happy with. And it's definitely challenging at times to provide the solution that everyone's happy with. Of course, if you message, if we're working somewhere and the customer says to me, like, I want a million euros, otherwise I'm not going to use your service again. It's unlikely (laughs) that many companies in the world that they're going to give you a million euros to guarantee that you continue to use the service. So yeah, you can't always succeed, but it's about being able to do that the majority of the time. There's always edge cases. There's always gonna be people at the most extremes. 
But as long as you are able to provide the best possible service to the absolute majority, then handling those few edge cases can be done well. This this answers you provided are really good, especially when you talk about like exceeding people's expectations. I think that's what really makes you maybe fall in love with the brand as well. Since yeah, you have a lot of different alternatives nowadays. I could either order from Bolt or Bolt here in Estonia or whatever Uber Eats and then. And yeah, there's a million people. Is, yeah, there's a, there's a million, um, million different options, but definitely it's, it, it's being like very good at customer services is becoming like a competitive advantage as well. So for sure. What would you, because we are re- very much interested in data, although mm-hmm like customer service and, um, and and customer support both have a very big portion that you can't really measure well, but, mm-hmm. but still fortunately there, there are data points that, that you can use to, to, to improve. What are the main things you are measuring, uh, at point with your support people yeah so i would say that first of all it changes over time so what we were measuring a year ago isn't necessarily what we're measuring now and two years ago definitely uh, not what we're measuring now we continue to try and find numbers that better reflect some of that some of those like intangibles that you were mentioning like there's intangible things where you're like empathy yes we can have some proxies for some things which are close to that but not completely there so we have to continue to look i think the main thing when i started at walton we were like just setting some of these things up as uh how to set up support i was hoping for a, a balanced view to try and cover as much of somebody's work as possible because often you'll see people who are like i'm great at this but not at this and they can either be praised for the thing that they're great at, if that's the thing that's most important for the organization, or if the thing that is most important for the organization is the thing that they're bad at, then they'd be like, oh, this is not good. Whereas really it's a balance of both. And that person's probably pretty good, but like needs to work on this thing and can pull back a little bit from another area. So some of the things that we look at is speed and support, like speed of the first report, to know that there's another human being there, to know that conversation is not going to take too long. So that these conversations start to finish done quickly as well. So that is, speed is one kind of key area that we want to measure. And we look at those, yeah, first response times, handling times, like how long did it take to handle the conversation in total? And then customer satisfaction, like I mentioned already, that kind of one to five scale in terms of being able to see what the percentages are. And then I, I don't know what the word for it would be, but like quantity uh, of work. So like the efficiency of how much work a person can do per hour. 
And then there's a few other details that we sometimes look at. We want to understand what the issues are that people are talking to us about so we can solve those in the future. So we measure things like tagging, percentage people have been doing that, how accurately. And then we have some monetary things that we look at as well to make sure that expectations are aligned through the team in terms of refunds uh, and stuff like this. Because the one thing that we don't want to happen is, uh, let's say me and you are both working in support and uh, I'm always super generous. So the customer comes and talks to you and you say, no, I'm sorry, we're not giving you a million dollars for this situation. And then they'd be like, oh, can you put me on to David, please? Because he always gives me a million dollars for this situation. So that's the kind of thing that we want to avoid. We want to have as much as possible the same experience, no matter who you talk to from the team. So those are the things that we look to measure as individuals, as well as as an overall organization. And just to add a little bit extra on that, when we're looking, often when we're looking at these things, we're looking at, for example, with speed, we're looking at not averages. So these are some of the nuances, some of the things that we changed over time. So not looking necessarily just at averages, but we're looking at percentages within a certain level. So we will set a standard, let's say if it's 30 seconds for the first reply or 60 seconds for the first reply, then we would look at, okay, what percentage of the time are we doing that? And what percentage of the time are we not doing that? Mm -hmm. Rather than just looking at an average, which can hide a whole bunch of uh, horrible numbers inside of it. So yeah, averages are uh, often evil. Yeah, so that's, uh, you mentioned very interesting points like the, the speed and, and customer satisfaction scores. But you also mentioned like, keeping the, the same experience throughout the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any tips for maintaining that? Because that's, that sounds, I, I hadn't thought of that before. Kind of when I think as like a marketing person, I understand that ideally our emails and our kind of copy on the website and how our people talk, I'd like them to be sound, sound similar. But how do you keep that similar inside like a customer support organization? Yeah. Are you teaching these people like exact language? How to do that? No, we're not. Like, I think we, the way that we look at it is that we, a more general style or a more general tone of voice. And we want to see people fitting inside of that, but people can express their creativity inside of that quite a lot. So some people are more one style than the other and formal and the rest of it. But then there are some elements where we're like, these things need to be constant. So like, general tone of voice is still there. You should still use proper grammar and, and you should still spell things correctly and stuff like that. Like, pretty general things like still be polite and professional so yeah that's the more general side but i think yeah like in terms of keeping things the same across the team i think it's an important thing to mention in terms of even how we look at all the data is that we set our data 
as SLAs rather than KPIs. So like SLAs are service level agreements. And the way that I often explain this to the team is it's like, and KPIs being key performance indicators. And this might not be right. This is my, my, my understanding or how I explain it. People are often used to KPIs. So I think in the marketing world, for example, you would be one, all your graphs to be like going up and to the right. Like you'd want them always going in that direction. And for me, I want all of my graphs to be flat. Mm -hmm. I want it to be flat every time. So I want to be consistent rather than necessarily like always growing, always getting better. Because there's a certain point at which you're like, can we get better than this? Have we reached the top? If you're at 97% out of 100%, does it make sense to try and get the last 3%, which is borderline impossible? Or does it make sense to make sure that you're always at 97% and that you're, you're consistent across that level? And that especially comes into play when we're looking at the amount of work done. So we have an amount of tickets that we want people to do in an hour. And if that number is too high, it's not, yay, cause for celebration. Like we're like doing more than we should. It's a warning light that says, probably need to have more people on the team. We're probably understaffed right now. And that's like, that thinking really helped me in this last year, just to think of a standard rather than necessarily of the bigger, the better, and the like more up and to the right, the better. Like, it's like, yeah, but if we go for that, then we'll have soaring highs and plummeting lows and the experience won't be consistent from one day to the next or one month to the next for our customers and, and partners. Mm -hmm. So the service level agreements then are setting standards. Yeah. So you would say, for example, tickets per hour is like how we measure the amount of work done. We'd say 10 tickets per hour. That's the standard. That's the level. And we want to make sure that everyone's at the level or in and around the level. And we want a small percentage either end. That's good. If we're a lot over, then we need to hire more. If we're a lot under, then we're overstaffed and we need to find other projects we need to be working on so that we can have a, a good level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that definitely it's is different in that sense when you were mm -hmm. talking about as you said like startup kpi is like bigger and better but yeah at least on on customer support you would like this to be as you said consistent and human yeah yeah because if it's consistent it's human as well like one of the things with customer support is you're often going to be the biggest team like you're going to need the most people so how do you know when you're going to need to hire somebody new? Is it by walking around and being like, hey, is it, it's been busy, yeah? And you're like, yeah, it's been busy. Oh, we'll hire some more people. You need to like have some numbers and looking at work done per hour or like the amount of work needed to be done. These are the things that kind of can be measured and used to figure out, okay, how many people do we actually need to be doing this amount of work at a normal work pace? So we've talked about using data and, and now service level mm -hmm. agreements. That I yes. love, love, love that. But as you said, it, it can often be 
quite stressful. <laughs> if, for example, that you don't have enough you know, people in your support, yep. or if it's really like fluctuating a lot, as you said, like at three o'clock, like no one has an issue. <laughs> somehow, yep. seven o'clock that night, like there's everything's going on. Yeah. Everyone's going south. Yeah. So, how to uh, like how to how can you as a as a manager help your people cope with with the stress that that, that comes in, in waves? Uh, it's a good question, and I wish I knew the answers. It's something which is a constant uh, struggle, and something that I want to continue to work on. One of the main things is getting the hiring right, and that's tricky. For us, like we can see that it's kind of part of the job and something we can help train people for having an intense couple of hours each day. Like it's going to be super intense for two hours and then it's going to calm down, you have your lunch, have a talk with your team lead and have a team meeting, do something else and it will it'll all settle down. But for those two hours or two and a half hours, it's going to be really, you know, like a focused, intense work. The issue comes more when it's like that for more than two hours. If it's like that for almost the whole day, or if it's like that week after week, uh, that's when it becomes an issue. So for me, making sure that I plan hiring better and better and like her, make sure that we have enough people in the team before the drama hits or have enough people who are actually fully trained, experienced people on the team. But that's hard. Like that's, uh, that's something which we've definitely not gotten right all the time at different moments where we've grown more than we expected. So again, at the beginning of Corona uh, last spring, it was pretty tough because, you know, we started doing a lot more work than we had been previously. And overnight we were suddenly dramatically understaffed and getting back up to that level was tough. And it took a real toll on the team as a whole to be performing as a team of, you know, eight when we needed the team of 12. That's hard. What do I do as a lead? I don't know. We try to listen to people, try to hear people, try to update on what we are working on. We look through our data and try to like rehash those schedules. So talking about three o'clock in the afternoon being super slow, seven o'clock in the evening being really busy. Okay, how do we shuffle things around to try and make it that we have more people at that time than we do at this other time. And then sometimes when it comes down to it, it's just, you just got to jump in yourself. And so there's been quite a few moments in the last uh, 18 months where everything has gone to crap and uh, you need to suddenly jump in and uh, help out for a while. But yeah, mostly it's the hiring element is the, is the long-term solution to the problem. <laughs> And you try to make it as short term as possible that you can uh, have this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this again, like forecasting that this is, is, is challenging. Like, are people going to keep, you know, ordering so much from, yeah. from restaurants? Is it already like a habit? That, that, that now even if you can go to a restaurant a lot of people 
are in the habit of not going. So how it's, it's really interesting to see how, how that will work out. And even like on a day, right? You know, you could plan a really nice, easy Tuesday. You're like, oh, it's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden it starts raining like crazy. It's like just rains the whole day. People aren't going out. They're sitting at home and they're ordering their food at to home. So like even the weather like comes into play when we're looking at these things. And that can just mean that we just have a, a really crazy busy day. Out but that's so interesting. Is that something that you check in that sense? That guys, it's going to be very rainy next week. So we need more people on the floor or is it? it it's it's not quite almost so we definitely look ahead and we're like it's going to be rainy next week it's going to be busy so for us like in our model support team which is the biggest like uh, team inside the team but uh, we also have our career partners and when it's going to rain then that's definitely like, we're definitely letting them know trying to get more people out helping to do the deliveries because we know there's going to be more and more deliveries but yeah, I think at a certain scale or potentially like in a, in a bigger market than Estonia, um, then that might well come into play a lot more. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad. Mm -hmm. need more people for that. But it does mean as well, like the one of the nice parts is that the slowest time of the year is usually the summertime. So that's the time when it's easiest for us to let people go off on holidays, which is when they want to go off on holidays. So yeah, that's the plus side. Yeah, that is, that's so cool to, to learn about the seasonalities in, in, in yeah. different businesses. Yeah. So just to start wrapping this up super quickly, as always, mm -hmm. do you have any favorite resources where you go to, you visit or knowledge about customer support or leadership is there anything you would like to share with us absolutely yes always um <laughs> i think to be to be on a journey as a leader is to be a learner so for me like, i always feel like i need to be learning and engaging with new material to get better and better at my job this does sometimes annoy my team whether oh, David's read a new book. <laughs> I'm trying to do something, trying to do something different again. But yeah, the resources which I'd really recommend in terms of support, uh, there's a tool. We don't actually use it, but uh, I used it a long time ago and they have the best blog ever called, so the tool is called Help Scout, but I'd really recommend looking at their blog. Uh, they have really good articles there about all sorts of things. And then podcasts are great. So one of my favorite podcasts at the moment is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. It comes out usually on Mondays, but she has really good interviews with different authors and leaders about leadership, about how to show up in the workplace and all the rest of it. And then finally, two books. These are the two books I actually do make my team read. So Making of a Manager by Julie. She was the, I think, VP of product design at Facebook for a long time. But if you have new managers on the team or just as a refresher, it's like a really good overall 
uh, book about management. And then the other one would be Radical Candor by Kim Scott, which is a really good book about how to say things as they are without, you know, <laughs> becoming an asshole. How do you do both? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you say that, how it is? How do you have high standards, but also have like a, an open heart and be kind still? whilst also being exacting in your standards. So the real combination of caring personally and charging directly for people. Yeah, I don't have unique ideas. I just steal all my ideas from other people. <laughs> that's, that's, but that's the only way to learn. I, I love the expression that you said that your team goes oh, now David has read something new and he now wants to test this with us. That's... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> David reads a book about coaching. Oh, here we go. That's the vibe in the team they know. <laughs> yeah. But then at least they know that there's there's no way of being stagnant here. Like all, always yeah. learning, changing, testing new ideas. So David, how if, if, if people want to reach out to you, what would be the, the best way, like through LinkedIn or, or email? Or do, are, you would be the best. On, or are you active on any other channels like Twitter or something? No. Sorry. I, I like LinkedIn. I will read whatever you send to me if you send me okay. to LinkedIn. But aside from that, I am a pretty inactive person online. Like I just watch youtube videos about how to make cocktails that's the extent of it and that's very important especially with the corona times when you have, yeah. have to make your own absolutely i mean find me in the comment sections of some cocktail videos that's the other way to reach out to me <laughs> okay we will put all these these links to to the resources that david uh, mentioned and also your linkedin page david awesome. head of support at volt head of baltic support at volt sure so, i'm not that fussy on titles so yeah. like you say it however you want david yeah. support at Walt in the baltics that that sounds fair enough thank you david for chatting with us thanks for the good ideas that you shared. I'm sure that everyone working at like in customer service or support roles got some really good ideas. Even I got some really good ideas. Overall, how to be a bit better person. So thank you, David. And I hope that it will be a standard summer. But <laughs> keep things on the right level. Yeah, thank you very much, Gustavo. It's been really fun. It's standard summer of 27 degrees. That would be nice. That would be nice. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.